0: Hello and welcome to this week's podcast version of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for The Business Week ended 26th February 2021. This is Ian Haydock. This time we touch on Pfizer's R&D plans, real world evidence for coronavirus vaccines, a new approval in lung cancer, challenges for Galapagos and Decada tells its pipeline story. Pfizer has promised 25 new therapies by 2025, with 14 of these coming from its oncology R&D pipeline, including the bispecific antibody l for multiple myeloma. The B-cell maturation antigen-targeting T-cell recruiting therapy moved into a pivotal Phase 2 clinical trial within months of generating positive response rates in the Phase 1 trial in line with Pfizer's new focus on rapidly delivering breakthrough therapies to patients. Pfizer Oncology Chief Development Officer Chris Boshoff told Scripps Mandy Jackson that the process of developing and bringing a COVID-19 vaccine to the market in just one year in partnership with BioNTech has informed the company's R&D programmes going forward. However, Pfizer CEO Albert Baller said during a pair of investor days in September that the company has spent the past few years improving its R&D productivity so that it can move programs forward with the speed of a biotechnology firm, but the scale of a big pharma company. Pfizer's entering a new era to have an extraordinary focus on our science and the value that our science can bring to patients, Boshoff said in a recent interview. In that regard, l has the potential to greatly improve the outcomes or even transform the outcomes of patients with multiple myeloma and to become then one of our next pillars in Pfizer oncology, he said. The company's cancer drug commercial performance is dominated by its solid tumour therapies such as blockbuster's Ibrantz for breast cancer and the prostate cancer drug Xtandi. However, if l is approved for fourth-line or later treatment of multiple myeloma, the bispecific antibody will be Pfizer's eighth approved product for haematological malignancies. Two UK real-world studies have shown that COVID-19 vaccination programmes using the Pfizer-BioNTech and AstraZeneca-Oxford jabs are contributing to a sharp drop in hospitalisations, even after just the first of two doses. Independent experts have cautioned about reading too much into the early data, but the results could eventually vindicate both the UK decision to space out dosing by 12 weeks and demonstrate the efficacy of the AstraZeneca-Oxford vaccine in the older patient groups, which has been the subject of much controversy. Andrew McConaughey reports that by 19th February, the UK had vaccinated more than 17.2 million people, or 25% of the population, having prioritised the over-80s and healthcare workers, and making it a front-runner internationally. Early results from the EVE2 study in Scotland found that Pfizer's Comirnaty, which is BNT162B2 vaccine, cut hospital emissions up to 85% four weeks after the first dose, while the AstraZeneca shot cut emissions by up to 94%. The study covered 1.14 million vaccinations given in Scotland between 8th December and 15th February. The study authors cautioned that the preliminary data did not allow for comparisons between the two vaccines. Meanwhile in England, early data from the SIREN study of healthcare workers showed that the Pfizer vaccine reduced the risk of catching COVID-19 by 72% after one dose, a figure that rose to 86% after the second dose. The studies back up similar results from Israel, which has been the fastest of any country in immunizing its population, but using only the Pfizer vaccine. Sanofi and Regeneron were late to market with their PD-1 inhibitor Lipitaio, but they have won a coveted approval from the US FDA for the first-line treatment of advanced non-small-cell lung cancer as a monotherapy, joining only Merck & Co.'s Keytruda and Roche's Tecentriq with that specific indication. Jessica Merrill writes that the commercial opportunity is considered a significant one in the field of cancer, but Merck's Keytruda has emerged as the gold standard treatment for advanced NSC-LC, so Sanofi and Regeneron will have an uphill battle, breaking into the market against this entrenched rival. The physicians who treat NSC-LC are a data-driven group and appreciate having multiple treatment options, Sanofi said. There is no indication that the companies will try to compete on pricing, as Sanofi said the price is in line with current PD-1 inhibitors in the US. Libertayo's initial 2018 FDA approval was for cutaneous squamous cell carcinoma. It was the sixth PD-1 or L1 inhibitor to reach the US market. The FDA recently expanded the label to include an indication for basal cell carcinoma in February. The new lung cancer approval is in patients whose tumours have high PD-L1 expression according to an FDA-approved test and that are either metastatic or locally advanced and not candidates for surgical resection. Sanofi is looking to rebuild the leadership position in cancer after falling behind rivals during the last decade, while Regeneron is just breaking into the cancer therapeutic area for the first time. Despite the recent failures of fibrosis drug ziritaxistat and osteoarthritis asset GLPG1972 plus the decision by partner Gilead Sciences not to develop filgotinib in the US for rheumatoid arthritis, Galapagos says its appetite for high-risk clinical projects remains undiminished. The last few months have been fairly miserable for Galapagos starting in October 2020 when the osteoarthritis drug GLPG1972 an T 5 inhibitor partnered with Servier, failed to significantly reduce cartilage loss in the Phase II Rossella trial. A couple of months later, partner and major stakeholder Gilead walked away from US development of jiselica as it could no longer see a viable path to approval for the JAK inhibitor after a meeting with the US FDA to discuss a complete response letter issued in August. Kevin Grogan writes that the latest blow, which came earlier this month, saw the termination of the Isabella Phase 3 programme for Ziritaxastat, which was being evaluated in about 1,500 idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis patients. Review of the oral autotaxin inhibitor concluded that its benefit-risk profile no longer supported continuing these studies. Galapagos CEO Ono van der addressed the firm's problems on its full-year earnings call, acknowledging the disappointments, but stressed that This is part of new mode of action development and we will face more disappointments in the future. He added, I think our innovative and rapid approach to go with small effective phase twos is not something to immediately abandon, but I think we might fine tune it somewhat to give us more certainty or at least less risky steps going forward. Finally, Takeda has reshaped its image as a growing global company, which has led to success in recruiting top talent and negotiating agreements with new partners, according to President of R&D Andy Plump. But despite writing a new growth story, the Japanese big farmer still is struggling to sell its plan to investors. The challenge we've had is with our investor base, Plump said in an interview with Scripps' Mandy Jackson. What they see is a company that has huge debt, Takeda has sold off about $11.6 billion worth of non-core assets to pay down the tens of billions of dollars of debt it incurred when it bought Shire for $62 billion. However, Takeda's revenue also has grown considerably since the deal closed, reaching $23.1 billion through the third quarter of fiscal 2020, or 31st December 2020. Takeda said in December that it expects revenue to total $48 billion by fiscal 2030 due to growth from its existing products and new sales from drug candidates approved over the next several years. We have a marketed portfolio that's quite attractive, but we don't have a lot of life cycle management driving growth, Plump said. And so we've been asked repeatedly to be more engaged and to be more declarative as to what we are seeing and to share more. We've been stepping out in front of ourselves trying to be more explicit around what these wave 1 products are and we've gotten a lot of positive feedback from investors plump said they haven't invested yet the stock is still stagnant that will change this year i think 2021 will be an inflection year for us he added That's all for this week many thanks for listening and just a reminder that this and all our other podcasts are now also available on Spotify via our new Informa Pharma Intelligence channel there Bye for now.